Good afternoon. This is Jennifer Scheich with Ask Aces. We just got done with another great Twitter chat today with Dr. Erica Tiemann from the Agricultural Education Program and Chelsea Byers Gerstenecker from University of Illinois Extension. Today, we've been talking about life hacks, gaining an edge by tackling stress and increasing recovery. Stress is a big part of our lives, but it doesn't have to rule our lives. Recent research into how we react to stressful situations has allowed experts to develop and prescribe strategies to increase resilience in the face of stressors. Today, we're going to get a little bit more information from Chelsea and Erica as we go behind the scenes to learn a little bit more about stress. So to kick us off, Chelsea, can you talk to us a little bit about what exactly is stress? To put it simply, stress is our psychological and physical response to stimuli. Um, It's simply that fight or flight response. Erica, do you want to kind of add a little bit about that? Yeah, so just it's, it's how our brain interprets what we are exposed to in the environment or what our thoughts are. Um, And so that kind of explains why some people can be stressed by one thing and others aren't stressed by the exact same thing because it's really, it all happens in the brain and how we perceive what we're exposed to. So does stress really make us more susceptible to colds and infections? You hear that a lot, but is that true? Erica? Uh, Yeah, it actually, the stress response does um, inhibit the immune response. Um, So your body just is not able to fight off the things that you're normally exposed to every day. Um, And and when people are stressed, you have a lot more instances of missed work, um, missed classes, and things like that. Yeah, stress can really be bad for your um, health in general if it's prolonged. So, you know, it does add to uh, health complications. Having ways to deal with it is the most important thing. It even leads to heart disease and blood pressure. There's a lot of health implications for chronic stress that's not managed. So how can we evaluate our stress levels? Erica? Um, So I actually use a heart rate monitor called the Bodyguard. Um, And so we put those on and people wear them around the clock so we can evaluate how they respond to stimuli and also how their sleep looks. But um, today there's a lot of the wearable heart rate monitors like the Fitbits and I use Polar products and even Garmin has them now um, that can give you some fairly decent reporting if you're wanting to check in on your stress levels. Um, There's also apps that are available for smartphones that typically use the flashlight on your phone to measure heart rate through your finger. Um, So all of those are definite good ways to kind of check in and see what your stress levels are. Also, you can just kind of pay attention to yourself as far as, you know, how you're feeling. Do you feel like your heart is racing? Do you feel like you're more on edge than normal? Do you feel like you're having your own mood swings or easily upset? You know, those are easy ways to kind of just check on a daily basis of, you know, are you more stressed out or more on edge or more anxious? Um, you know, to kind of keep a pulse on yourself on whether you're handling things okay or if you're, you know, kind of edging towards a tipping point. Is there such a thing as good stress, Chelsea? Absolutely. Um, you know, stress does kind of dial us in. It helps us focus. Um, It's really good for when we're going to be in a competition or prep for an interview or go do a presentation. Um, It just becomes bad when we don't have ways to um, kind of let it go, um, release the stress, or it's chronic and we, you know, have the stress for a prolonged period of time. One of the big questions that people asked on the Twitter chat today were how can they handle stress in their life? Is it possible to eliminate stress in life? Erica? Well, most people that that I work with and that have been a part of my research, it's pretty much impossible to get them to eliminate stress in their life because that's going to involve typically 
quitting a job, changing your job, severing relationships with people who you find are stressful at times, um, or getting rid of your children. And most people are just really not willing to do any of those. And so for me, in the work that I do with people, it's really focusing on being more proactive and getting yourself in an increased recovery state so that you can bounce back quicker from stress and and just have more resilience so that you're not as depleted and exhausted by the regular stressors. And there's lifestyle things that you can do to um, help handle the stress, such as getting a good night's sleep and having a good routine with that and engaging in physical activity, um, eating a balanced diet, um, having people to talk to, somebody to turn to when you're stressed out, um, engaging in activities of interest, you know, and doing things that will kind of um, calm you down, such as, you know, deep breathing, um, progressive muscle relaxation, um, partaking in mindfulness activities. Um, so there's different things that you can do um, to kind of also help you handle with that stress. So as a parent of three children and uh, working full-time outside of the home, I know that I can say that working out and riding my horse or taking a walk are just great ways for me to reduce stress. But quite honestly, how do you make the time? I really struggle with that. Chelsea? Um, Often when I teach classes, um, I encourage caregivers of any kind, whether it's parents or um, caregivers, I use the analogy that they give you on a plane. Um, They always tell you to put your oxygen on first, and you have to do that in order to be good for those that you're carrying or you're traveling with. And so it's the same as a caregiver or parent. Um, If you don't take care of yourself, then you aren't going to be any good for those that you're providing any kind of care for. And so you do need to make self-care a priority. And another thing I always like to suggest to people is to plan something to look forward to. Um, So you know, that daily, weekly self-care is really important, but also have something, you know, fun to look forward to because, you know, we all want a fun outing to look forward to or catch up with an old friend that we haven't seen in a while. Um, Just, you know, helps us get through some of those rough days. Erica, is there a relationship between stress and whether or not you're an introvert or an extrovert? Does one feel it more than the other? Not that I'm aware of. Um, Where I see the differences when you're talking about personality profiles and stress is people will be stressed by different types of things. So if you're an introvert, you're highly likely to be stressed by having to interact with strangers, whereas somebody who's an extrovert is really going to, they might thrive on that and really enjoy that um, and find that restorative. So personality, I, I don't think really influences whether you're high stress or not, but it's it's very contextual. Everybody is stressed by different things. And I mean, you can even take twins who are raised in the same family and they'll be stressed by different things. So yeah, it's there's not really any formula to say that if you have these this personality profile, you'll be more stressed. Well, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm stressed out, it seems like every little thing that could go wrong does go wrong. So how do I stop this crazy cycle? Chelsea? Sometimes it's our mindset. Um, We need to kind of reset ourselves. And so, um, you know, there's that adage of uh, get a good night's sleep or sleep on it. Um, You know, we get in that negative mindset of, oh, it's just everything's so bad. And so things that we would normally handle um, with better grace or we'd handle it um, okay in our everyday situation um, doesn't seem so bad. But when we keep having lots of things go wrong, it just seems like it's that much worse. And so it kind of does seem like it's 
um, a domino effect or it's building. And so um, sometimes you just need to kind of take that reset, get a good night's sleep, come at it with a fresh attitude, um, uh, fresh eyes, and then the problem isn't so bad or whatever the situation is, you know, um, you can tackle it. Um, so, you know, really reset your thinking um, and you can maybe, you know, problem solve your way out of it or figure out a, a better way to uh, handle whatever is stressing you out at that moment. So I guess my mom's advice when I was growing up of sleep on it, it'll look better in the morning really is somewhat true. Absolutely. Mothers know best. All right. So what happens when stress goes past the breaking point, Erica? What are some tools for recovery? Well, when somebody uses the term breaking point, it, it's kind of concerning for me. And, and I'm not really sure what is meant by that because everybody kind of has a different way that they will use that word. Um, And so for me, in most cases, I would say you probably need to seek some professional help, whether that's from a medical professional or a mental health professional, um, before, you know, you're really out of your mind because of the stress and anxiety that you're experiencing. Um, Because it could be something as simple as maybe a new medication that you're on can be causing anxiety and stress. Um, So it's important to consult somebody when you get to that point. Thank you. You know, I've been thinking about my own children. I've had my oldest went off to junior high last week, and my youngest started preschool. So let's talk a little bit about how does stress manifest in little kids and teenagers? What are some of the differences, things that we can be looking for as parents, and how can we help them? Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, you won't hear a kid, often you're not going to hear a kid say, I'm stressed out, right? So as parents, um, we need to look for signs that they are um, communicating to us through their behaviors. And so um, for little kids, oftentimes they might um, pick up a habit that is new to them. So it might be something like um, twirling of the hair or thumb sucking um, or wanting more alone time. And so something that's not their normal. Um, And so for other kids in general, it might be something um, like mood swings or acting out, bedwetting sometimes. And a lot of times it's something as simple as complaints of stomach aches or headaches. Um, So if you see any kind of changes like that, um, behavioral changes, really kind of maybe take a closer look at your child and see what's going on. If um, there's something going on at school, um, something, you know, going on in um, their friend, you know, world or um, with a sport, um, you know, just something at home stressing them out, you know, kids really do like routines, they do, they do well with routines, Um, and children who um, have supportive families do better with stress, because again, kids are going to have stress just like we all have stress, Um, but it's, you know, when we can offer them support, they will handle it better. Okay, so as a parent, you you mentioned offering support and um, being there for them to talk to, any other things that we can do to kind of help them navigate those stressful situations? I think it's teaching them healthy coping strategies early, you know, so they pick up good um, coping strategies that they can have for their life. Um, so, you know, teaching them how to talk about it, um, teaching them, you know, that getting activity is good or, you know, good sleep is important and um and not, you know, dwelling on it or, you know, letting it build without discussing it, um, you know, those kind of things. So um, just ha- being supportive and, um, you know, we had an instance where teaching our kids that, you know, it's better to come tell us about it and not sit on it and think that they had to handle it themselves, you know. Um, and together we can brainstorm how to overcome whatever it was that's troubling them. Um, so, you know, it's just being a family and helping them learn coping strategies that'll really serve them well throughout life. Great. That's really helpful. So, so let's be, let's be honest here, ladies. Does stress give you gray hair? 
Well, I, I hear this from parents a lot, especially um, as a former high school teacher, I heard a lot that their teenagers were giving parents gray hair. And a lot of it is genetic, but stress does actually advance aging in humans. Um, one year in the life of somebody who is chronically stressed is about equivalent to seven years in the life of somebody who is not. Um, so you're literally aging in dog years, if you think about it that way, um, when you're chronically stressed. So everything from, you know, your DNA is having effects, feeling effects from the stress, your brain is degrading from it. Um, Physically, you have a lot of problems. So stress, really chronic stress day in and day out is really tough on the body. We're not designed to live that way. Okay, now it seems like being around stressed out people can make me stressed out at times. Is this really possible or is this just a figment of my imagination? I know it it actually is possible and it's what we call communicative stress. Um, So our heart, when it beats, emits an electromagnetic signal and um, being social organisms that we are as humans, our bodies are always trying to sync up. An example I always use is yawning. You know, if you see somebody yawn or even hear somebody talk about it, it might make you want to yawn. Um, Some of you are probably yawning right now just (laughs) hearing me talk about it. Um, So our bodies are always trying to sync up. And when we're stressed, our heart emits a very um, erratic signal versus when we're calm, it's very regular. And so that erratic signal can be picked up by other people And like when I work with teachers in a classroom, you can quickly watch a stressed out teacher turn an entire classroom into a bunch of stress balls just by walking around the room. Um, It's about a three to four foot radius from your body that that is communicated. And so if you're near somebody who's stressed, like you're taking a test or you're sitting in a line waiting for interviews, you need to take some measures to alleviate that stress before it takes over and hijacks your brain. Wow, that's really fascinating. It's really exciting to see what you're doing um, in your research program here at the University of Illinois and uh, appreciate that people like you are studying this so we can find some answers to really help people. Okay, one of my last questions for you guys. Why do some things stress me out and other things that on the surface level you would think would stress me out just don't? You know, um, everybody has different triggers that um, can cause more stress. So um, maybe it's a certain environment. Maybe it's a certain person or personality that can set you off. We all have things that we can handle, stressors that we can really handle well, but certain things just set us off more than others. We talked about anticipatory stress earlier, and so... Family holiday gatherings is always a really common topic that this comes up for people. Um, So, you know, if you have family that, you know, you have conflict with, and I I heard a lot of this in the past year or so with the political climate that we have right now, um, that there's family debate happening at gatherings and differences of opinion. And so weeks and days before the gathering, people will start feeling that anticipatory stress and so it makes them kind of moody and they're snapping at their partners and things like that at home. So there's definitely things that trigger us and we talked about earlier the trigger warnings and how those are related and it's our system, our brain remembers things and and we remember things that are negative even better than the positive and so we we tend to cling to those and dwell on those. and so if, if a negative instance happens, we're likely to experience stress when we're in a similar situation again. And so that's, 
you know, our system primes us and our brain and body are just starting that stress response if we're approaching a situation where we've had negative responses before. And um, one thing to think about if you are heading to holiday gatherings that set you off or you're going into an environment that you know is might be a trigger for you or you're going to see somebody who might be a trigger for you, be prepared for that and have a coping mechanism in mind because if you know that you're going to encounter that trigger, it's really good for us to already kind of, again, that attitude can go a long way and that, um, that mindset. So if we can kind of already have something in place, so like when this happens, I'm going to do this, like have have a plan and that will hopefully help you manage some of that stress or not be as affected by the trigger Um, whether it be you know I'm gonna step outside when they start talking about politics and I'm gonna call somebody or I'm gonna go for a walk and you know when it gets heated Um, so just having some having a plan um, might help you in those trigger situations um, if you look for you look ahead knowing that you're going to be engaged in those situations especially when it is the holidays. You're going to go home for the holidays or you know you're going to be around a certain person that's going to trigger you or get your blood boiling a little. I always close with the power that can be had in three really deep breaths. It's really powerful to take three deep breaths. Um, cortisol lowers instantly. You're, there's an instant response in the body to those three deep breaths. So before you go into an interview, before you go in to take a test, before you have to interact with somebody that you don't want to take three deep breaths and it has the potential to actually change how you perceive that situation and it will change your nonverbal body language to be a little more positive and not so reactionary and aggressive. I find it really interesting how you guys are talking about stress and looking at this topic, but from really different perspectives, um, all within what we're doing here at the University of Illinois College of ACES. Could you each tell me just a little bit about your jobs and what you're doing, what your research program is like, Erica, Chelsea, how you're out and about with people and advancing information in this area, just to kind of give um, our listeners and possible students uh, who are looking for um, future career opportunities an idea of what's out there. In Extension, we take information um, and we extend the knowledge out into communities. So I do community education. And um, as far as programs go, when it comes to things like stress, uh, we do a lot of brain health programs. We talk about how stress affects brain health, um, as well as we do a lot of caregiving programs, parenting programs. Um, Stress comes up in all those types of programs, as well as work-life balance. Um, I'm a family life educator, so I cover kind of uh, healthy living, healthy aging, uh, lifespan programming. Yeah. Uh, So I am a teacher educator, and I'm also a researcher. Um, And so the two actually kind of feed into each other in what I do. Primarily, I study stress in teachers, um, and I'm looking at it from the respect of we have a supply and demand issue with teaching, especially at the high school level, we do not have enough teachers to meet the need. Um, So I'm looking at why are teachers leaving at a high rate? There's really high attrition in the first five years of teaching. Um, And also how can I better prepare teachers that are more resilient and effective and able to handle the stressors of the job? Um, And so a lot of my research I, I integrate into the classroom and I think my students probably get a lot more education and experience when it comes to the emotional side of teaching, which is often 
ignored and not addressed um, to the disservice of our future teachers because they're not prepared to handle that when they get into the classroom. Um, I've worked with a lot of other high-stress professions. I've worked with law enforcement here on campus with the Police Training Institute. I've worked with veterinarians who actually have a high, pretty high suicide rate, so it's a very high-stress profession. Um, elementary teachers to high school teachers, um, administrators. So it's a lot of people are experiencing stress today, and I think part of it's our American culture. We don't we don't check in with people and be like, hey man, I want to make sure your stress isn't too bad. We're more likely to get into conversations where it becomes a competition over who's the most stressed and like they're going to get a badge or something for being the most stressed. So my overall goal is to kind of try to start changing that culture, especially among teachers, to one of more caring and, and concern when it comes to our young teachers and promoting resilience, promoting activities and and not encouraging the stress-increasing activities. Well, we are certainly privileged here in the College of Aces to have both of you working for um, our college and helping advance in this area. I really appreciate the time that you guys took out of your schedules to join us for Ask Aces today. We love this opportunity to help answer real questions that people have about different topics in life. Um, stress is certainly a big one, especially as we're going back to school, um, lots of changes in people's lives and family makeups, and just appreciate this time. If you guys didn't get a chance to join us on Twitter today. You can go back and search under the hashtag AskAces to find more answers and to find more information. And again, thanks for joining us on our podcast. We hope you have a great day.